Hi, this is Kirk Reed. Bear with me as we need a little compliance disclosure. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's generally not the case with callers we speak with on the show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. After all, we just met. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Callers should check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we may make. At times on this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. Investment returns are not guaranteed, and past performance does not guarantee future results. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined this morning by my brother and business partner, Justin McNamara. Good morning. Good morning. We've been business partners for 20 years, Justin. Is that right? Yeah, it means we're officially old. Yep. Well, I was just, I just texted you today that I'm getting close to catch up contributions. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, that's where I wanted to go next on the outline. <laughs> it's perfect. It's a great segue. Oh, awesome. All right. We're talking about what's called Secure 2.0, which is some legislation that was passed at the end of the last calendar year. Lots of little tiny little. Yeah. I guess I'm calling it the minutia, but the tiny little changes to the tax code. But there are some some relevant, obviously, we're talking about it today because we think it's relevant, changes to some retirement planning, some retirement account stuff, and required minimum distributions. So real quick, if you're just tuning in, so required minimum distributions are now, now begin at age 73 for anyone born in 1951 through 1959. So that means no one begins RMDs this year for the very first time. Right. People that previously were in required minimum distributions because they turned, we used to be 70 and a half or 70 to two last year or before, they still have to take their RMD this calendar year, but no one needs to start RMDs for the first time. So if you're turning 72 this year, you don't need to start. You can start next year when you turn 73. And then down the road, they'll start anyone 19, born 1960 or later will start at age 75. So that's definitely notable. We talked about that. Yep. And we also talked about there's lots of Roth related changes, the introduction now of Roth SEP IRAs, Roth simple IRAs. And we talked about there's no more effective, excuse me, next year, 2024, there will be no required minimum distributions from Roth 401ks and Roth 403bs. And we talked about now effective, I guess this tax year, employers will have the ability, I don't, we're not quite sure if it's if they choose or if employees choose, they'll have the ability to make matching contributions to the Roth component of 401ks. I'm assuming, I don't actually know if that applies to simples either, but I guess we'll wait to see if that unfolds. Can employers make matching contributions to Roth simples? I don't know the answer to that. A lot of this is to be clarified later. And again, a lot of it's not starting until 2024, but actually the Roth simple and step one is this year. But yeah, the good news on that is I commented earlier that we, I would be surprised to see Roth simples and SEPs up and running from, from a custodian yeah. point of view soon. But yeah. for, especially for a SEP, you, the technical deadline for a 2023 SEP IRA is if you file an extension is October of 2024. Right. A lot of time for you small business folks, especially if you're self-employed, right? Simple IRAs get a little bit more complicated because that a lot of that has to be funded if you're allowing, if you have employees. With it's not yeah. an owner. If it's not basically just an owner-only company with a simple, mm-hmm. that's I would be surprised to see many of those up and running with Roth in 2023. But BD on that. But yeah, for yeah. those of you who are doing SEPs, 
could be fantastic. You may be able to do a Roth seven if you're if you don't need to make your contribution right. That's perfect. You can wait and see see how it plays out. Yeah. Another Roth related change in retirement plans, 401ks, 403bs and 457s is that there's now some limitations regarding catch up contributions for higher income earners as defined by. So someone that has wages from an employer of one hundred and forty five thousand dollars or more based on, I guess it's the prior tax year from an employer. So if you work at a company and for example, actually this one doesn't start until next year. So let's use, if you make $145,000 or more in 2023 from your employer, and if next year you're age 50 or older and you would want to make a catch up contribution. So this year that the 401k contribution is 22,500, right? Yep. And That's then 70, the yeah. catch up contribution if you're 50 or older is 7,500. So someone 50 or older this year anyway can put 30 grand if they wanted to in a 401k. For next year, if someone is 50 or older and makes more than $145,000 in wages from that employer, they will not be able to make a deductible catch-up contribution. So that $7,500 would have to be a Roth contribution. Government wants their tax revenue from the higher income earners on those dollars, at least the catch-up dollars. So what was interesting there, and I was reading through it, and I'm sure you, I don't know if you read this through this one on your own. We were tag teaming. I read some stuff and you read some stuff, which is good, but it looked like, like, again, you and I talked about how not all 401ks are created equal. Not all 401ks offer Roth contributions because right. it's more expensive for the employer yep. to offer a plan because there's more what we call record keeping, right? Or well, record keeping. So it looks like in my reading, it looks if your plan does not offer Roth contributions and if you have participants, higher income earning participants, 145,000 or more that are age 50 or older, yeah, no one can make catch up contributions. Yeah. Is that what you read as well? That's what I read. Yeah. Okay. Which is very, yeah. I mean, that, I think that's going to, I don't think there are many 401ks that don't have a Roth option anymore. Okay. But my sense of the business is, is I, you see it more often in small accounts and maybe they were set up before Roths were even a thing and they just didn't go through the, well, they didn't go through the process of updating it. Mean, it's really, it's not that much more expensive. And I think you're going to, ha- you're going to be, I think there are a few changes in here that are trying to force the hand of of retirement plan providers. Yeah. We'll talk next segment. We'll talk a little bit about they put in some incentives to start 401ks, right? There's a whole other section of the legislation that goes to we need to have more people contributing. And so I think there's a few bits and pieces in here that are going to force the hand of some 401k yeah. providers. And my guess is that's going to be one because the people are going to mess. Talk about a good way to anger your employees is, to, is to have your. <laughs> your highly compensated tenured employees not be able to make their matching contribution. That, I know. Sounds, that sounds like a, a recipe for not a happy bunch of employees. Have, I mean, so has the, I don't know how long safe harbors have been around, but has that come bring costs down for employers offering 401ks? Cause just the record keeping is easier. Yeah. Like, so I, yeah. I think yeah, they still have to go through the testing. I think my sense of it is that as 
Uh, 401ks are now less expensive than they were in the back in the days when we were starting. And I, I think technology is now to the point where it's a lot easier to do the record keeping, right? Because it's just you're just keeping track of numbers and yeah. you have a lot of the plans now are integrated with payroll systems, right? If you're yeah. with a paycheck or an ADP. And you have that plan. It's they have all the information that they need, and so I think those costs are coming down. And so I, my my sense is that most firms aren't going to say, "Oh man, it's going to cost us an extra seven hundred and fifty to a thousand dollars a year to have this option." So we're not going to do it. I think they're yeah. I think they're probably going to suck it up and go ahead with it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I guess I haven't come across many four hundred one ks lately that don't have Roth option. Yeah. All right. They've grown in popularity. Yeah. Okay. So probably won't. There have been, it's not for all plans, but has been the case sometimes where higher income earning these haven't been able to do what they want to do in a 401k because not, some 401ks have been top heavy and then they receive yeah. kick contributions back and stuff like that. So it's not totally new concept, but you're right. Maybe it won't be super common for that, for no one to just be unable to flat out make a matching contribution. Yeah. 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 That, all that. 401k testing that related to how much you could put in your 401k. So it was, yeah. there's a whole bunch of tests that go into a 401k. And if essentially they, the your 401k has to not just benefit the higher income employees and or people related to the owners. And if they do there, you might be your, you might have your contributions limited. Yeah. This goes yeah. to the match, which is on the other side of it. But yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I guess similar in a way Yeah. where they're trying to incentivize a certain behavior on behalf of the company. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I guess not, a, it's not a huge change for the highly, for again, higher income earners, less ability to deduct contributions to a 401k starting next year. If they're maxing out and putting in the catch up contribution, they'll have to put that Right. 7,500, which will be a little higher next year. One of the indexing for inflation is one of the components of this bill, I think. Yep. And so they won't be able to take a deduction on that, but it will go into the Roth component of the 401k, which is great. I, I guess it was like, um, I was reading that the actual language is that it's like $145,000 or more of wages from that employer. From the prior year. Yeah. From the prior year employer. So it might be some, and, it, and if you're self-employed, there was no, if you're a 1099, there was no, it was particularly wages from an employer. It was like, if you're self-employed, that uh, rule doesn't, the matching rule doesn't apply. So if you were as a solo K, maybe. Yeah. And a solo K. Okay. It is, it does say non-simple. And I guess mm -hmm. there, are, there will be some planning opportunities for, for job, essentially for job changers, right? Yeah. If you take a new job, you didn't have 145 grand wages from that employer the prior year. So you can make your catch up contribution and make it deductible. But then the year after, more than likely, you would you'll have to switch it over. So, again, there's yeah. just more. Again, there's another more work for whoever's doing the payroll system or <laughs> the 401k maintenance. Yeah. Because you have to you have to keep track of that, too. And speaking of that, one other thing I read regarding catch-up contributions, part of this bill, Secure 2.0, is yeah. like an additional catch-up contribution that will be offered. I love for this one. People this one so ages. Funny. I know. So starting in this is actually 2025. This one's a couple years out and it's yeah. like funky, right? So part of this is starting in 2025 for 401ks and 403Bs. Participants who are ages 60, 63, so 60, 61, 62, and 63, yeah. starting in 2025. No, not 64, 65 are right. very strange. Yeah. 60 to 63 
will have an additional catch up contribution. So the, I'm sorry, they have the limit on their catch up contribution increased. Right. Yeah. So they could potentially put in more of a catch up contribution. I guess the language is like for a 401k, the language is someone 60, 61, 62 or 63 can put in the great, can make a matching contribution to a 401k, the greater of $10,000 or 150% of the regular catch-up contribution. So they can put in more than people that are in their 50s. But you're right, it stops at age 63. And then I guess it reverts back to the regular catch-up contribution. Very strange. I wonder if they'll change. I wonder if they'll increase that as time goes. But that's, that was, I couldn't, I was trying to think in my head, I was like, why would they stop it at 63? I don't know. Maybe that's the average retirement age. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, I think it would be actually higher than 10,000 now, right? Isn't it, isn't it a bit over 10,000? So if it was in, in effect now, the, for someone between 60 and 63, your total contribution would be up north of 20, 32,000 something. Yeah. Or 30, yeah. Yeah, 33,000 maybe. 150% of the 2023 catch up amount is already going to be over 10,000. So yeah. right now, someone, if it was effective right now, someone yeah. age 60, instead of putting in $7,500, could put in 11,250 okay. in the catch up. But yeah. I think, yeah, they're building in. Yeah, so what's the point of the 10,000? I think if they deflate it, it's probably a CPI, maybe. I bet you that to avoid deflation, uh, like a floor okay. on the minimum. That's yeah. my, that, that was my guess, right? Because it's if we're going up, that, that 10,000 is never going to be it's in never, effect. Right, uh, yeah. Unless you get deflated deflation and maybe they just put that in there as a fail safe. I don't know. Yeah, that's weird. And also simple IRA participants, again, ages 60 to 63 can put in more the greater yep. of 5,000 or 150% of the regular catch up, which is $3,000 right now. A simple catch up over 50, I believe is 3,000, right? Yep. yep. So right now it would be, they could put in five, an extra 5,000 instead of 3,000. Anyway, that one's not effective for a couple of years, but that's just an interesting one on the catch up contributions. That's going to be a huge, if you think about two spouses in that age group, right? By that time, you're, you're going to be at potential deferral of $70,000. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, yeah, I mean, that's a big number. So that one's, yeah, that one was cool and interesting. And although not here for a couple more years. Yeah. So if you're 63 or 62 now, sorry, that's a bummer. Yeah. All right. Did you have anything on K's, 403Bs, Roths, anything like that? The only other thing I wanted to talk about is 529s and Roths. If you don't have anything else like under the... Brief. The, I, the IRA catch up is also now has been indexed to inflation. The right, IRA right. catch up now, that's a fairly minor change. It's a, I think it's just was set at $1,000 and they've been adjusting the IRA contribution, which is now, is it 7,000 this year? No, is it 6,500 still? It's 6,500 with a thousand yeah. catch up to 7,500. So they indexed that catch up and it's going to be, it'll be, it's going to be even harder to keep track of in our heads, Alyssa, because it's <laughs> rounded know. to the nearest hundred dollars. So next year, the catch up could um, be a hundred and could be a thousand, one thousand one hundred dollars. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's again, it's a minor change and it won't, it's not going to kick in, but at least that is going to be going up. Okay. Your limits will be higher for your IRA contributions as well. Yeah. And those have indexed over time anyway, but generally in $500 increments. Just not, the, co- the IRA the contribution has. Yeah. But oh, now the catch up right. is indexed. Yeah. The catch up has been a thousand like for yeah. a long time, if not ever. You're right. Since they okay. added it, I think. Yeah. 
Okay. Okay. The the other sort of like most exciting slash notable thing that I came up with in this legislation was also, of course, related to Roth IRAs, was the ability for $529 not used for education to be rolled into 529, excuse me, into Roth IRAs for the beneficiary. Yep. All right. So let's. Do we have time for this? I don't know. You love your Roth. We have seven minutes and 20 seconds before we should probably take a break. Okay. But we could, I could go for a whole nother segment on it. All right. 529s and Roths are actually very similar tax vehicles. Yeah. Where money goes in, you don't get a tax deduction. Money is used for a specific purpose. You have to satisfy certain requirements. If you satisfy certain requirements, all the money comes out tax-free, including the earnings. So they're really the only two investment vehicles other than if we loop in real estate, primary real estate and the capital gains exemption, where I was going to say is where you're getting some tax-free growth of the dollars, right? So yep. where you're getting ta- growth of the money tax-free. So 529s and Roths, very similar. Of course, 529 money, you have to use it for education and there's some limitations on it. And Roth money, you have to use for retirement and definition of that being over age 59 and a half. So they're very similar. Um One of the concerns, which I've never really thought was a concern, is regarding 529s is what if my kid doesn't go to college and I don't need this money for higher education? And that's never really been a a real concern of mine on behalf of my clients because I'm like, you know what, if that's your biggest problem, congratulations. And also, it's really not the end of the world. You just pay some taxes on the growth of the dollars, which you're like paying in almost every other investment vehicle out there. Um, I think the best way to put it is it's a discussion that we always have, that we almost always have. So it's a concern that our clients have what happens if i don't use this money for for college or whatever but in reality it's i can't remember more than maybe once or twice that we've actually taken money out of a 529 people don't tend to oversave in 529s so it's especially if you have more than one more than one kiddo um but yeah it's something you worry about right oh it goes into this 529 college savings plan and it's just a natural question what happens if i don't use it for college so yeah you're right there's probably what 90 or 95 percent of people don't over save right. for college. Yeah. It's just the nature of how expensive right. education is. And if people have multiple children and 529s have always been so flexible in terms of changing beneficiaries and naming other right. kids and all that. Broad in scope with their education, with yeah. the definition of education. But that's not, people ask that question because they're generally uninformed on exactly how right, a right. broad and flexible a 529 really is. If you're just getting, right. you know, if you just had your first kid, you probably aren't super aware of all the rules and regs. And actually, and the nature of like how many kids go to grad school and funds can be used right. for that as well. So I, so you're right that really the opportunities here regarding what now the now ability, which we'll elaborate on and and read some of the rules, but now the ability for $529 to roll into Roth IRAs for the beneficiary, that is, it's really an opportunity for the pretty wealthy, which will, which, which could have the ability to oversave or allocate very sufficient dollars for education, overly sufficient dollars. Yep. So this, that's really where the planning opportunity, that's who will really take advantage of this. And But for those people, it's good opportunity. So the some of the specifics regarding this new legislation is that if you have money in a 529 plan that you don't either need to or want to use for education, it and if the 529 has been open for 15 years or more, Dollars can, there's some limitations on it, but dollars can roll out tax-free 
come out of the 529 and go into a Roth IRA for the same beneficiary. So the limit, there's an annual limit on how much we'll be able to go. First of all, this isn't effective until next year, 2024. The limit on how much you'll be able to move in one tax year from a 529 to the Roth is the IRA contribution limit. So right now, someone under age 50, $6,500 in this year would be the limit for how much you could take. The beneficiary has to be the same person. I don't know. Just to be clear, that income limit also applies to income as well, right? So $6,500 is is the amount that you can put in. But if you didn't make $6,500, because in a lot of cases, we might be talking about someone who's 21 or or for whatever reason there, if you want to take advantage of this, you do have to have the, you have to meet the income component as well, right? So the beneficiary has to have, in order to get that 6,500 in, you have to have 6,500 in income as well. So So they have to have earned income and not like babysitting income. It has to be like taxable earned income that they show on a tax return. (laughs) Yeah, taxes. Yeah, yeah. no, no. No, I'm just kidding. True, very few. <laughs> okay, so there has to there has to be enough income to justify the money going yeah. into the Roth. Also, if like you, you also can't, the beneficiary can't. Let's say the twenty-something-year-old person can't make a Roth contribution and also roll the money in. The total limit is the IRA contribution limit of sixty-five hundred. Right. So if they're adding 200 bucks a month to the Roth IRA on their own, which is great, yeah. um, unless they have a 401k, you know, that then they can't add 6,500 from the 529. So there's some like some annual limits that will have to be, that they'll have to abide by. And also the limit is, is affected by IRA contributions as well. So like when someone is adding to either an IRA or a Roth IRA, you can't, and the max is 6,500 per year. If you're under age 50, you can't add 6,500 to an IRA and a Roth IRA in the same year. The overall limit is 6,500. So now the overall limit would be IRA contributions, Roth IRA contributions, and money coming from a 529 to a Roth. Overall limit is at 6,500 a year. Okay. I just wanted to clarify that. And then they're also putting a lifetime limit on how much can be rolled from a 529 to a Roth. Lifetime overall limit of $35,000. So roughly someone could do it for five years or something. Yep and max it out over five years and then it would be done. So I, and one thing I don't know that there was clarification on, or I didn't read that there was yet clarification on is like how beneficiary changes might affect this. So 529s right now are very flexible in terms of, oh, we have to take a break. Hold on. We're going to run out of time. We might have to elaborate on this after the break, but you're right. We didn't have enough time to do this. I thought we did. All right. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined today by my brother, Justin McNamara. We're talking about Secure 2.0, which is some new retirement planning tax legislation, very recent. We're talking about some changes to financial accounts and the tax code, et cetera. Super fun stuff. We're talking about 529 uh, ability for some money to be able to, in the future, go from 529s to Roths for for young people and potentially older people. But I want to get into the uh, details on that a little bit. We're just taking a quick break and we'll finish that up in just a couple minutes. Be right back. 
This is Mike McNamara. If you're looking for a financial advisor, start by asking him or her three questions. Number one, are you a certified financial planner practitioner? Number two, are you legally held to a fiduciary standard of care for your clients? And number three, do you only give financial advice and not sell investment products? These are all simple yes-no questions. If he or she doesn't answer yes quickly and starts talking, that's a no, and it's time to move on to another advisor. Okay, we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, my co-host this morning, and my brother, Justin McNamara. Good morning again. Good morning. If we run out of time at the end of the show, just a little plug. You can find out more about us at McNamaraFinancial.com or McNamaraOfTheMerrimack.com. We also turn all of our shows into podcasts. So if you miss any of the content, you can always check us out on your podcast or just search McNamara on Money. All right. We were talking, just in general, we've been talking about new legislation that came out very end of December, some required minimum distribution changes, some Roth, some 401k changes, some little nitty gritty stuff that we're not going to probably have time to today. We'll get to some of it. But one really cool, super fun, awesome one Yeah, that we'll just finish up here in the next few minutes is ability for, I guess we'll call it leftover dollars in 529s, if not needed for college. Starting in 2024, we'll be able to, with certain limitations, will be able to roll to Roth IRAs for the same 529 beneficiary. Annual limit in terms of how much you can move is the IRA contribution limit, but that bear you have to bear in mind also the beneficiary has to has have earned income to justify yep. the move. And also if they're contributing to an IRA or a Roth on their own, you have to subtract that from how much you could roll from the 529. Also, overall limit in terms of how much you can move from a 529 to a Roth is $35,000. So people can't be moving hundreds of thousands of dollars into Roths for very young people, which could be crazy money later on in their retirement. So there is a lifetime limit. Yeah, no, I don't think the 35K was indexed for inflation either. So I think that's supposed to be a a flat number. Yeah, Yeah, that would make sense. So just one thing that I think we're we're looking for clarification on here in the next year or so will be, right now it's super easy to change beneficiaries on 529s. You can literally do it like in a couple of days with paperwork, right? And Or maybe even a day. Some people can probably log online and do it. So really easy, no taxes, no penalties, no costs that, that I'm aware of to change beneficiaries. And really very flexible in terms of who the beneficiary can be changed to within an extended family unit up and down generations, siblings, cousins, like very flexible. So what what we don't, I think, have clarification on is can have a move money, have it be in one beneficiary's name, move it to a Roth for that beneficiary, change the beneficiary, make a Roth contribution for another beneficiary, change it again, make another. I think we're waiting, maybe waiting on clarification on that. Also unclear at this point if like the account owner, so it's usually the parent, Yep. could change the beneficiary to him or herself and make a Roth contribution with that money. And where and if that's a high if that account owner is a high income earner that really can't make a Roth contribution because of income eligibility anyway, will they still be able to? Yeah. I don't think we have clarification on that type of stuff. So I'm assuming again, this is effective 2024. So I'm assuming in the next year or so, hopefully the IRS will come out with some clarification on that. Yeah, it's I mean, a lot there's gonna be a lot there's a lot of planners right now, especially for higher net worth folks looking at this and saying, oh wow, if this turns out well then we may be able to get a bunch of money into Roth. If the rule states you have to have had this money in that beneficiary's name for 15 years, 
then it's right. that'll be more difficult. Whereas if it's more flexible, you could you or I could just start up our own our own five twenty nine in our own name right. and just start saving it. And then fifteen years from now, we could move it into yeah. you know, our kids' names or our maybe even our names, depending on what the regs are. I would watch that one. I'm going to bet yeah. it's semi restrictive, and they 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 fill it in a little bit because it, otherwise, there's going to be a lot of folks who are and it means hey, as long as you're following the law, then you you should be doing it. But I think most of yeah. that, most of the people who that'll benefit will be on the higher net worth side. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. in 529, 529s can be funded very early by high net worth people, super funded. And then if if they're funded more than sufficiently, even before the beneficiary gets to college and then dollars, 16 or an 18 year old, they start moving money over to Roth when they're super young. Like that, this, there could be some cool strategies, but really for yeah. the, for the pretty high net worth that really are, as you and I talked about, most people aren't overfunding 529s. And that that's, and if people are, then this opens up some opportunities to, to move the dollars tax efficiently, but probably won't be taken advantage of by more than, I don't know, 10% of the population. I don't know. Just a guess. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they're fun to talk about. That's yeah. exciting to think yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. Before um, we move on, Alyssa, did yeah. you, did you I'm, I think I have this right. So in a couple of years, you're going to be able to, people of a certain income range will be able to fund a Roth 401k with a Roth employer match, and then maybe also fund their own Roth IRA y'all in the same year. Is that, does that blow your mind? Because if, if you can do yeah. both a 401k and a Roth IRA, and if you can all Roth all of it, that would be that's oh, some yeah. serious Rothing, right? So for folks of you who are eligible, think about that. Yeah. But, but then, but it's like who, if you're eligible for a Roth IRA, then you're falling under certain income limits. Right. And there's not that many people have such free cash flow yeah. and those lower income limits yeah. that they can yeah. and just afford to be paying the extra taxes on their employer and foregoing their tax deduction. And yeah. Uh, but yeah, but it, that for I kids, guess I could think of yeah, yeah. for kids living at home though we, we run into yeah. a fair amount of if you're out of high school right. or if you're yeah. out of college good job and you haven't and you want to we I think we know a fair amount of kids right, who so. oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna save some money and live with mom and dad because it's a fairly acceptable practice these days that's a that's quite, talk about a head start on your Roth savings <laughs> I love those kids that are <laughs> that are still living with their parents at at older ages and and really responsible savers I love it I love it okay anything else on the 529s to Roths that you can think of I don't um, think so no I don't okay. think this is yeah I mean, that's probably a show at some point on its own yeah. Yep. Once the rules are finalized. But yeah, for now, I yeah. think we could be done with that one. Yep. Okay. The only other, I think, thing we didn't talk on regarding required minimum distributions, I just let me go back to that for a minute. A little okay. bit different is, but we talked about, did we talk about already spouses inheriting? The new spouse option? Yeah. No, we just skipped over that. Okay. So as, yeah, let's do that one real quick. That's just a quick one. As part of this new legislation, Secure 2.0, um, previous rule had been that if you inherit a retirement account from your spouse, you just take it on as your own. If you have your own IRA, you just can just move it into your own name, treat it as your own, just becomes your chunk of money, very simple. And you have more options. You can do what's called the stretch. You have more options than non-spouse beneficiaries. But basically, you just took the money as if it was your own. It just moves into your name. The new legislation gives spouses an opportunity, I believe it's an election, right? An opportunity to treat a deceased spouse's retirement account, not as their own, but as their spouse's. 
And the reason, the only, I think the only reason I could think of why they would want to do that is if their spouse was younger than them and that would allow them to further delay required distributions. That's the uh, only thing. Yeah, because you you can already do a version. I have to dig into legislation. You can already do a version of this, right? Let's just say it's, it's, if you're sub 59 yeah. and your spouse dies, you don't want to take you don't you don't, you may not want to roll the roll it into your own name because then you are stuck with pre especially if you need the money which yep. in a lot of cases there may be expenses either ongoing or one time with a funeral etc you want you don't want to be able to take be taking a pre 59 and a half distribution from your own account from your IRA because then you're subject to the 10% penalty so in that case you would have had to do an inherited IRA where it's still in the name it's more like a, the IRAs that we see now if you know that that are inherited by a child it would be the Alyssa Reed inherited IRA benefiting the beneficiary would be whoever um so you could always do that before but now I think the difference now is you can take it into your own name and you can it'll just be your IRA but you can elect to use a different RMD date essentially so if it's if your spouse was older and they die you just roll it into your name if your spouse is yeah. is younger and they die you can say this is going to be my IRA but my my RMDs don't start until here because my spouse was 55 and I'm 60 so I'm not doing RMDs until this then I think on those dollars i wonder if you're combining with another account though the calculations would get like, yeah if you're modeling i don't know monies, huh? I would assume yeah. you have to keep it separate. Keep it separate. Um, I would assume. You'd but again, that separate. wasn't. It wasn't. I didn't get a lot of. I don't think most of the stuff I read just kind of glanced over it pretty quickly. I'm not. I, I guess that's simpler than having having it in your own account. I don't know, or having it in the name of an inherited person. Maybe just for simplicity's sake. I don't know. We'll yeah. have to. We'll have to. We'll dig into that that one. Yeah. One a little bit. I think that one, let me look, was that one effective immediately? I actually don't know if that one was effective immediately. That's 2024. 2024. 2024. Okay. All right. So further clarification will come on that one. Okay. Yep. Okay. That was, I think that's like it on some of the bigger ones. And we touched on a lot of the bigger topics, but you had some like smaller, oh, you know what? You wanted to talk about some of the 401k like enhancements or credits or incentives for employers to set up 401ks. Yeah. So part part of this, what this is only going to apply mostly to if you're, if you own a small business, um, and I guess that's not true. If you're working for a small business that doesn't have a retirement plan, which again is pretty common, right? Yeah. There's not, there are lots and lots of small businesses that don't have retirement plans. And this legislation has a bunch in here to try to get more adoption going forward. Secure Act did some of this anyway. I know, I think yeah, there was a, a lot we of got stuff a credit in there. or something. Yep. I remember you were, you, I remember you emailing me about some, something you needed because we need, it was a retirement plan credit. And so this was, started with secure act 1.0 and now it's increased even further so hopefully i'm gonna i'll run through this stuff fairly quickly because i don't think there's not a ton of discussion points on it but the big picture is part of this legislation is trying to increase retirement plan adoption right i think Mm -hmm. it's not we're not going to go back to pension plans at any time ever the cat's out of the bag and your retirement savings are probably going to be your responsibility and so we're going to try to, I think this legislation is clearly trying to increase that access and you'll see some of the changes here, right? So now there's a hundred percent startup credit for startup costs up to $5,000 oh. oh, for wow. a new 401k plan with a business under 50 employees. So if you don't have a retirement plan wow, and you want to set one up, there's a hundred percent credit for a business with up to 50 employees, which that's a lot. There's 
that's a I, lot. I actually, I don't think that. I think some of the startup costs will actually be sub five to five thousand dollars. They're not that expensive to set up, and I know I've quoted some of these in the past, and so I think that's probably going to cover in a lot of cases the entire startup cost of a four hundred one k plan, which is fantastic. Is that effective? What year is that? Does it say? Let me see if I can find uh, it in my notes no, here. I didn't put that, I didn't put that and in. I wonder if one thing, and we can always follow up on this, is one thing is, is that a one-year credit or is that effective for a couple of years? It's What's the, for us it's, those that one is a startup. So I think it's, I think it's just one year. It's like an, so for no, this yeah. one... Yeah, startup cost is there's when you start a 401k plan, there's they list it out. You know, your ongoing expenses are whatever, $2,500 a year, but your startup costs in order to, for us to get things going is $3,000. So I'm pretty sure that's a one time credit. But is it for, for 2023 only or 2024 only? I think that's what we need. Oh, no. I think, I think, or is it just like ongoing? I think it's ongoing. A startup credit will be ongoing. Oh, that's that would be cool. It's not like a one year credit and then it phases out. Okay. That would be very that, cool. That was, we can check on that, but I don't know. I'm pretty sure it was because I know that the Secure Act credits, I, I think, are still in place and this was just bumping them up. So previous to this, previous to either it's this year or next year, it was a 50% credit. And now they just bumped it up to 100. And so I think it's going to okay. be an ongoing thing. Yeah, that would be awesome. There's actually also, believe it or not, there this maybe this can't possibly be effective this year. They're going to have to give them time on this. There's also an employer contribution tax credit. Okay. Again, this is for this is a small business tax credit. So 50 or fewer employers there is a credit for employer contributions up to, I think it's up to $1,000 per employee per oh, year, wow. right? So if you start up a 401k plan, there's a credit to get started. There's now even a credit against contributions you're making on behalf to the em- awesome. to your employees. That's awesome. Uh, it, it does phase out. I think it's up to $1,000 in the first couple of years. And then by year five, I think it's 25%. And then, then it's done after that. It has to be, these are both for new plans, right? So you have to not have a previous retirement plan, but those are pretty substantial. So if you have a small business and you don't have a, a plan in place now, there is a, there's definitely a benefit to doing it now. It does say effective 2023. Oh, really? Yeah. Employers with 50 or few employees, retirement plan startup credit will now be allowed for up to 100% of plan startup costs subject to existing overall limits up from the previous limit of 50%. In addition, such employers will be eligible for an additional credit attributable to employer contributions to DC plans made during the first four years. Yeah. It's pretty cool. That's so cool. So I know. Effective I mean, if you think 2023. About it, so ask your 401k provider to quote yeah. that for you if you're a small business owner and don't have a retirement plan set up. That's a great incentive. Yeah. If you think about the if your safe harbor match is whatever, three or four percent, you're essentially if your employees aren't all high higher net worth, you're off, offsetting almost all that contribution for those first bunch of years. So it's a yeah. good, it's a good deal. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Okay, cool. All that right. one's good to know. I hadn't gotten that far in my reading. So great. Yep. They also, this is one one twenty five expanded auto enrollment. So new 401ks starting 2025 have to have an auto enrollment feature. Yeah, I think that's um, good. Yeah, but you can opt good. out. People can opt out. That's right. Yeah. You can always, yep. opt, you can always yep. opt out. There's, there are some exclusions. There's, there's lots of details on these. And I, again, that's only 2025. So I won't spend a lot of time on. There's expanded access for part-time employees. And again, a lot of 401ks are expensive. Yeah. Having a 401k participant is expensive. 
And especially for part-time employees, they tend to be there and gone, I think, a little more frequently. So you're able to exclude them. Now, at this point, you can't exclude anyone starting yeah. in 2025. You can't exclude anyone who works 500, 500 hours in consecutive years, drops service term from two years, from three years to two. I won't spend a lot of time on that one. One of the, this is an interesting one. The, um, there's right now there's something called a savers credit, right? I'm not sure. We don't run into it all that often, but yeah. for it's on the lower income end of the spectrum, there's now a credit for retirement savings. The in 2027, I know I'm way out here now, but the savers tax credit is going to be replaced with a savers match where the match will actually go into the employee's retirement plan. I'm very excited to see how they're going to administer that one when you when money's coming from the government into the employee oh. into the 401k plan. <laughs> but I don't know. A savers about. credit will go directly into their 401k. It's going to go, so it's going to be replaced as a, it, the savers credit will be replaced with a savers match and okay. some method. I'm guessing there'll be a match that's the employee sends, but then there's a reimbursement and tax yeah. or something like that, it's, oh, okay. which I thought it was fairly interesting. But long story short, they're truly, they're clearly trying to bump up retirement savings. And this is just another one. I'm, that caught my eye because I was the administration end of it seems a little complicated, but hey, oh, yeah. four years, we'll figure it out. How about the student loan payment one and the matching <laughs> yeah. contributions? Did you get to that one? That's my next one. How much oh, time do we have? Are we, are we, are we... We're okay on time. We have seven minutes to go okay, through the rest perfect. of this. Six and a half minutes. Yep. Yeah. So I did the, the student loan. One of the things, I think a conversation that we have fairly often with folks who are just out of college and or are recently enough out of college to where they have a bunch of money in student loans is we'll have a discussion and will they say, well, should I fund my 401k or should I pay more against my student loans? And a lot of time that discussion, it hinges on expected returns and interest rates on your particular set of loans. But we very often will make sure that we're reviewing, not, no, we always review. We say, how much, what's your match in your 401k? How much free money is coming okay. at you? Some 401k matches are substantial. Others are are on the smaller end. And sometimes you have to put in 3% to get 3%, or sometimes you have to put in 10 in order to get three. They're, the matching provisions in 401ks are all over the map and sort of various retirement plans. Yeah. But in this case, they are going to allow, actually, are they mandating it or allowing? I think, they, I think allow they, yeah, they're going to allow a, a student loan payment to be treated as a sort of a salary deferral for matching purposes, right? If instead mm -hmm. of $1,000 into your 401k every month, you're putting, you're paying $1,000 a month against your student loans, the 401k can match those contributions. As you know, if you had put it in, they would make the same right. match as if you had put it in the 401k. That that's is right. real. That one is really cool. It's very cool. Yeah. That's actually, that starts next year too. So again, yeah. another. That'll be like the tech employers that are like trying to attack, attract yeah. like young talent, like the Googles yeah. and the Apples and the Amazons, or they'll be implementing that, I would guess. Yeah. We certainly see people trying to compete on benefits now, especially as yeah. the labor market's gotten tighter. And so we're one of the benefits that companies offer is a 401k. If you're, if you are spending all that money, if you have a hundred thousand dollars in student loans, it may not make sense for you to fund a 401k if there's no, if there's no matching provision, but this will allow them to match on that, which is I think fantastic. Again, That's the cool. administration ends of it. I think actually it applies to simple IRAs as well. That's right. Yeah. I have 401k, 403b, 4 57 and simple. And I think they're going to have to work on how they 
administer it, right? It's probably going to have to be a self-reporting thing. It's really not a, it's not, it wasn't fleshed out in the legislation. How does yeah. this process work? You, how do they I mean? know how much right. the employee is paying on the student loans? Are they going to have to get a report or are they like, right. is it the honor system? Or like, how does the employer reconcile? Yeah. I think that they would want to take it seriously because if the if they say, oh, I'm putting in $2,000, I'm paying $2,000 a month, then they could be being matched on, if the matching program is such that you get a continuous benefit for the more money that you put in. There's a there's a there's an incentive to inflate how much you're paying right. in student loans. Yeah, right. that, that's probably an extreme example because most companies will cap it at some number. But yeah, I'm interested. Maybe to it'll see be how like going to implement that. Maybe it'll be like a year end or like a January retroactive contribution. Yeah. Show me your Could loan be. payments for the year, and then they throw in an amount in January yeah. for the prior year. I bet that's how they're going to do it. Yeah, I found um, that one to be yeah, that was very interesting, and I think that's a yeah. fantastic one because we have that we have that discussion, and it's never a fun one, right? Because which one do yeah. I do? It's generally yeah. you're generally only talking about that if the person has a lot of money in student loans, yep. and so it's always stressful. Oh, everyone tells me I should start a four hundred one k, but I have all these loan payments and yeah. I can't afford it. So yeah, so fantastic for my yeah, that one's very cool. Um, all right, what else? You got two minutes. Two minutes. I don't know if I can do any. A 72T, you, a 72T, I mean, we should probably, you can't do it. 72T is, uh, they changed some of the rules around 72T. That's just the distribution for pre 59 and a half. Yeah. You know what? Two minutes is not nearly, I can't even explain nope. what 72T is in two minutes. Nope. Elimination of the penalty of the distribution of earnings on act. Excess contributions. Oh, so yeah, you, that's a good add one. Too much money. Let's yeah. wrap that. Let's wrap that one. Because I actually had that this year when markets were down. That one, that old rule was terrible. So previous rule was that if you made like a Roth contribution in a year, yeah. but then you ended up like, oops, I made too much money. I'm not eligible to make a Roth. You had to take the contribution out with the earnings that it generated. That's right. And pay a penalty on it, yeah. And pay a penalty, yeah. And taxes the, plus a penalty, right? Yeah. The new rule is that you don't have to calculate the earnings that your over contribution generated. You just have to take out the amount of the contribution. Oh, is that right? Okay. I, yeah. I just had that note on that. So you don't, we don't have to do the performance report anymore? Right. <laughs> so actually like when markets are strong, you put money in the beginning of the year, it like yeah. earns money and then you just, yeah. and then you, you take out always the over fund then. Yeah. Yeah. It's still, yeah. Okay. yeah. It's still the administrative end of it. Still won't be any fun, but yeah, that was, that one was nice. I know. I think I've maybe done that five times in my whole career, but it is because you have to do like, when am I going to take this out? What's my yeah. rate of return between now and then? And then yeah. I, it's all self-reporting and it's, it gets a little complicated. And huh? when you, yeah. And when you made previously, when you made the contribution and then actually, no, never mind. I was going to say something and it never mind. It wasn't going to be a change. But yeah, so it just makes it pull over contributions out. That's good, um, which is good because one of the things yeah. we say for folks who may or may not be eligible for their Roth is I usually say, you know what? You probably just wait until the end of the year because the process by which getting out those contributions is such a pain that it's almost not worth it. Right. Uh, now it's easier. But now, you yep. know, you, you can just assume, oh, I think it'll be closed to make the contribution. And if you end up going over, it's at least a simpler process, which yeah. is nice for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Especially us. Especially right? people that were making we just... monthly contributions and you're like, right. really had to calculate like ongoing the earnings right. on That's the right. shares of like, well, how many shares yeah. did we buy? Yeah. 10 investments and I'll calculate the rate of return on each one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when really that would probably never be audited, but you and I would like spreadsheet oh, it and do I all know. the right calculations and all that. But yeah, that's a simpler process. So thank you legislators on that. Yep. All right. That's all the time we have. That was some good stuff. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined today by my, my brother, Justin McNamara. 
McNamara. Check us out at McNamaraFinancial.com or McNamaraOfTheMerrimack.com. You can also check out our podcast, McNamara on Money. That was good stuff. That was the Secure Act 2.0, very recent tax and retirement plan related legislation. Maybe I'm sure more to come on that as some of these things become more clear. But that's all the time we have for you, everyone. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. 